Well, good evening, everybody. I uh, hope everybody's doing okay this uh, rainy evening. Uh, seems like every time I come live, I'm uh, I'm coming coming through with some uh, bad weather. So I don't know. Maybe Kenny's calling in sick now when it's raining or something. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I love you, Kenny. Uh, it just seems like that's the, just the way it is here recently. Um, you know, I don't have any control over it. It is what it is. Uh, but I see a few folks. Uh, Tuning in now, it's good to see y'all this evening. I uh, hope everybody's staying safe. Uh, according to the weatherman, I was looking at uh, Chris Justice's um, Facebook page earlier today, and looks like he's calling for some pretty rough weather in the morning, uh, maybe into the afternoon. So, uh, man, I just hope everybody stays safe. It was about this time a year ago or so where it looks like uh, the tornado came through here, and, uh, man, I just pray that uh, nothing like that happens this year. Um, you know, if, if there's anything that happens, if there is some bad weather, you know, don't forget to call your deacons. Um, everybody should know that was recently posted either this past week or week before last. Um, what what deacon representative you have, there was a family ministries um, post out in the vestibule, I believe it was. Um, if you don't know who your deacon is, call the church office and they'll tell you your deacons will be happy to uh, assist you in any way that they can. Um, so if you have any, you know, anything that the church can help you out with, uh, Kenny and Lynn are, uh, are in Simpsonville with the Grands this week and, uh, just pray that they stay safe and, uh, and, you know, we all miss them and love them. But, uh, so Kenny's got a lot on his plate right now. So like I said, call the deacons. That's what we're here for is, uh, to assist our families in ministry in any way that we can. Um, I see a few more folks tuning in now, um. That uh, I'd like to go ahead and just open us up in prayer, and then I think I'll just go ahead and jump in. Um, Father, I just thank you for the day. Uh, I thank you for the chance to go to my church family. I thank you for the technology available that I can do this. I just pray that you would uh, calm my nerves and, and have the Holy Spirit give me the words that uh, our church needs to hear. Uh, give me strength. Give them strength as we're dealing with this weather. Uh, I give my family strength right now. Uh, our church family, just thank you for them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, be with Kenny and Lynn right now. Uh, just thank you for Kenny, the way he leads our church. Uh, Mac with our youth and uh, Miss Heather with our, uh, with our children. And uh, I just pray that you uh, touch all of them as they're blessing God's kingdom by uh, by bringing souls to you. Lord, we just love you. We uh, we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, if you can hear my phone going off, I'm sorry. Um, I was supposed to do this on my laptop, but for some reason the camera's not working on my laptop. So I'm doing it on my phone right now. I'm actually going to reach and put it on silent right now. So I hope this won't continue mm -hmm. to happen. I'm sorry. I'm getting some text messages apparently. Um so uh, tonight we're going to be in the book of Matthew. My wife, beautiful wife, is sitting down in front of me right now, which makes me nervous. I'm not, no, I'm just kidding, Mom. Mom, go ahead and sit down. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm not nervous in front of a whole lot of people, but uh, I'm married over my head, so anytime she's watching me pretty close, I get nervous. Um, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, mostly in chapter 13. We may dance a little bit in 11 and 12, uh, but mostly in chapter 13. Um, parable we've probably all heard before. 
parable of the wheat and the weeds. Uh, and I'm going to read two separate passages. One of them is the parable itself, and one of them uh, is when Jesus is explaining to his disciples about the parable. So we're going to start in Matthew 13, chapter 24. Uh, here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seeds in his field. But that night as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? And the farmer exclaimed, An enemy has done this. Should we pull out the weeds? They asked. No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, and burn them to put the wheat, and to put the wheat in the barn. So, and then there's a couple, this is a, this is a tough chapter of Matthew, to be honest with you. This, there's a parable on top of parable, which explains another parable. Um, so there's a couple of short ones, the one with the mustard seed and parable of the yeast, and we're gonna, we're gonna skip over those this time. We're gonna pick back up, still in Matthew chapter 13, uh, but we're gonna pick back up in, uh, verse 36. Uh, then leaving the crowds, Jesus went into the house, and his disciples said, Please explain the story of the weeds in the field. Jesus replied, The Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seeds. The field is the world, and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen to understand. So that's a lot of scripture um, to work through. But, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about it. And the parable itself, you know, it, in, in the book of Matthew, Jesus is primarily talking to three different audiences in Matthew. He's talking to the crowds, the people that are following him. He's talking to the Pharisees and he's talking to his disciples. So he's he's talking to two different people in these first two pa- in the passages that I was just referencing. The first one, he's talking to the crowd. So he's telling this parable to the people who may or may not understand it, people that could take it differently. You know, uh, uh people a lot like us that, you know, you can kind of take what you want from it. Uh you may have to have somebody explain it to you, but the second passage Verse 36, when we're picking up, it says he's talking to his disciples. So what I imagine, just in my mind, in my mind's eye, when I close my eyes, and if I could see this happening, I see Jesus talking to the crowds. You know, there's hundreds of thousands of people gathered around, and his disciples are standing, you know, beside him or close to him. And they're all, you know, they got their arms crossed, and they're they're nodding their heads like they know what's going on. 
And then as soon as the crowds get gone, they shut the door, they go in the house, they shut the door, and they say, Jesus, dude, what were you talking about with the parable? And so the second, the second part of it is where he's explaining it to his disciples, his, his close friends, and these people are different than the crowds because they've already started following him. Um, they've already, you know, they sold the boat, sold the nets, uh, they're no longer really doing the whole outside world thing. They're, they're devoting their life to following Jesus. So he breaks it down for them a little bit more. And, you know, I think we have a lot to learn from that. Like I said, there's, there's some stuff that we can glean from, from both, uh, aspects of it. But, uh, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you know, the way he explained it and the, what we take from it. So, you know, the, the Sermon on the Mount, we're coming off of Matthew 5 through 8 where he's, uh, you know, he's talking about this upside down kingdom, how the world is different, uh, in the kingdom of heaven and how we're supposed to live different and act different and have different values. And, you know, and then to me, one of the, one of my favorite depictions of Jesus is chapter 12 in uh, Matthew. Chapter 12, Matthew, Jesus is tough. He, uh, he gets after the Pharisees when he's talking to them. You know, he just came through this Sermon on the Mount, you know, where he flips everything upside down. He's the Son of God. Uh, and you know, and then the next few chapters, he's doing miracles. He's healing people and, you know, doing all these things. And then the Pharisees come at him and they're like, yeah, well, but you, uh, you know, you healed a guy on the Sabbath. What about that? You know, well, well can you, can you run grain through your hands on the sack? You know, they're coming at him with all this legalism and, uh, Jesus rebukes them. You know, he's, he's, he's the son of God. So, uh, chapter 12, Jesus and Matthew, he's just one of my favorite guys, uh, to read about. It's, it's just kind of fun. And, uh, but anyway, we're coming off of that. And in 13, in, uh, chapter 13, when we're going through these parables, so many of them, um, you know, I think it's important that we take from this, I think sometimes it gets looked over, you know, where we stand. So the, the reason I read both passages is because Jesus breaks it down. And in the, you know, in Jesus' explanation, it, it kind of lays out where everybody is. And I feel like as, uh, as Christians, uh, especially as of late, but you know, this is nothing new, I feel like Sometimes we get a little crossed up in where we're supposed to be. Sometimes we feel like maybe we are supposed to be the master in this scenario. Um, sometimes we think maybe we're the servants. Um, but I think truth be told is we're the wheat. And that sounds unimportant, but it's not. Um, but the wheat... Is I feel like is what we're called to be. You don't you don't see anywhere in Jesus's explanation of it, starting in chapter thirty six, about his followers being a sling blade and going and cutting down all the weeds. It doesn't talk about that, and it doesn't talk about us being the master. We're not called to cast that kind of judgment. I feel, and I feel like sometimes we get caught up in thinking. That that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be the sling blade and go out there and cut through the, the weeds. But the problem is, you know, in, um, in the parable, it talks about you may also pull up the wheat. So when we do that, when we 
put it upon ourselves to be the sling blade, as it were, not only are we using our own judgment to to cut down what we classify as weeds, we may be cutting down wheat too, because the parable plainly says that. It's a, you know, the servants ask, "Hey, do you want us to uh, go through it and cut down the weeds?" And you know, the master says, "No." You know, you might bring the wheat up with it. So, and I think there's freedom in that. I think there's freedom in us not having to use our judgment. Our judgment is corrupt. And, you know, in Matthew, at the end of chapter 11 in Matthew, let me flip to it. We're just one page away. 11.30 says, For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So if we were called to be the sling blade, if we were called to be the servant, um, that would not be a light load, in my opinion. That The yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So to me, you know, the end of chapter 11 tells us that we're the wheat. You know, the in, in that scenario, the wheat is what has the light load to bear. The servant has a tough has a tough load. The master has a tough load. But, you know, when we pick up in 36 of chapter 13, it lays out, you know, it, uh, what does it say? The Son of Man will send his angels and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. So the Son of Man is the master. The angels are the servant. And it's, it should be freeing to us that we don't have to use our judgment to go through and cut the weeds and decide what's, you know, what is weed and what is wheat. Um, you know, and to be quite honest with you, we all should be weeds. You know, if not for the glory and uh, grace and mercy of Christ, we'd all be weeds. And when we cast our judgment on it, we put our personal um Narrative, we thrust that into it and we define what's right as what we do, how we feel and how we think. And we think, well, I, obviously I'm the wheat. So anybody that's not wheat needs to be cut down. Well, I got news for you. Um, we're all evil. We're, we're born corrupt. And if we pray that God would strike down everything that has sin, like those evil people over there that vote differently than us or look differently than us or think differently than us, if we would pray that he would strike them down because they're evil, you know what? We're evil too. You know, Romans says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It don't say those that just think like us are okay. It don't say... All of those people over there fall short of the glory of God. We all do, you know, and we we think that we live in this that we do live in this time of more moral relativism where everything is based on how you feel and what your moral compass says. And the word of God is not relative. It's absolute. And we are absolutely corrupt. A hundred percent of us. And I don't pray that God would purge the world of evil. Because you know what? If he did, I would be gone. My wife would be gone. God love her. She's wonderful. My kids would be gone. So we can't forget that we are the wheat. We are not the servants. 
we're not the master. We are the wheat. And we're called to just be the wheat. And we have to remind ourselves that God's sovereignty accounts for the weeds growing up within us. We can't take evil as a threat to God's sovereignty. He knew this. He knows this. And we take it personally like it's we have a vendetta against uh, evil people, you know, and we we should uh, be able to recognize them. We should be able to understand them. But at the end of the day, wheat doesn't do anything but grow up beside it. And I feel like we need to remind ourselves of that, that, again, we're, we're not the sling blade. We're not the master. We're not the angels. And if we, the biggest weapon that we have been given is the gospel. The gospel doesn't need a sword. The gospel doesn't need a sling blade. The gospel doesn't need my judgment. The gospel doesn't need uh, my morals. The gospel stands on its own. The gospel is a weapon that doesn't require us to do anything except present it. And, you know, another thing that I feel like we, and I say we, I'm guilty of this as anybody, is that I feel like as Christians we make the gospel seem transactional. We make it seem like if you give up this, you can have the gospel. Okay, but the gospel is not a transaction. The gospel is a gift. It was given to me. I did not deserve the love of Jesus. I don't right now as I'm sitting here. I do not deserve what I have been given. But the gospel is not a transaction. The gospel is a gift. We are not called to defeat sin. God can defeat sin. Okay, we need to spread the gospel. We don't have to ask them to give up sin in order to get the gospel. They deserve the gospel just as much as we do. Let's give them the gospel without requiring them to give anything back to us. So we need to spread that with love. We, To me, every time the church tries to spread, and I say the church as in not WFBC, but Followers of Christ, when we have tried to spread the gospel with the sword, it has ended badly. It has ended very, very badly. And, you know, we see a couple examples of that in Scripture. When, um, was it James and John are with Jesus and they go by the Samaritan village and they basically tell Jesus, nah, thanks, but no thanks. You know, and, and James and John, they want to burn the village to the ground. They think, well, okay, we should burn the village, right? And Jesus says, no, you know, and he kind of scolds them a little bit. And we feel like, again, you know, this is where, you know, in Acts chapter one, um, everybody wants, uh, you know, this is, this is after the resurrection. And, you know, we want a reckoning. That's what they wanted in Acts chapter one was a reckoning. Because they they thought this is it. This is this is what we want. We want a reckoning. We're getting it right. But what if we get it wrong? I'm not that confident in getting everything right. I don't feel like I get everything right. Had somebody prayed for a reckoning 
See, I'm 30. Had somebody prayed for a reckoning and received it 28, 29 years ago, I wouldn't have been saved. So before we're sure that we want a reckoning, we need to remember that, man, we're just, we're filthy rags compared to Christ. He's the one that paid it all. We've done nothing. He's the one that paid it all. He's the one that did everything. And then we don't get to hold it hostage and hold it over people's heads. We don't get to hold it hostage and tell them that they must take this uh, or they get the sword or they get the gun. Um, I don't feel like we're called to spread it in that way. I think God's patience and his providence allows evil to grow up within us, beside us, amongst us. And we're not called to sort it out. We don't have the tools. And again, you know, uh, 11, Matthew 11:30. you know, it's, well, what exactly? I don't want to misquote scripture. I'd be terrible for doing that. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. To me, that, that's what it's about. You know, if you feel pressure to spread the gospel with, uh, a weapon, I understand that. I feel that pressure too, but that pressure is relieved in Jesus. He relieves that pressure. All we have to do is present the gospel with love, not with a sword. And there's freedom in that. I feel like that's what he means. He meant that. You know, we live, he knew that we would live in a pluralistic society, meaning that everybody don't think the same way we do. He knew that. You know, when uh, earlier in the book of Matthew, it talks about the sowing of seeds. You know, he talks about uh, four different types of soil, and basically three of them, nothing happens. It either dies out or it just doesn't produce. He knew this was going to happen. It's not a surprise to him. He's sovereign. He knows that. And we we have to trust that. And I feel like the more people I talk to, when I hear their testimony, I don't hear that many people that have a testimony of, well, I knew this Christian guy and, you know, he unsubscribed from Netflix and he didn't say these certain words. So I asked him, you know, how do you come to know Jesus? Because that's how he got to me. But I know more people that, um, Christians were just different. Followers of Christ should act like there's, there's something beyond the horizon. They should act like the, the world is not a giant game of tug of war because I feel like sometimes we, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying you, I'm saying we act like we have to win this game of tug of war, um, with our culture, with our votes, with our morals, with our, you know, whatever. It, but if we, if we think that we can win this game of tug of war and win, we're mistaken. But the, the people that I talk to more so than the, than the first testimony I was talking about, I hear, well, you know, these people were just different. Even when things got bad, their eyes were, were beyond the horizon. This, this thing that doesn't even exist to most people, everybody can see the horizon. You know, whether you believe in God or not, everybody can see the horizon right out there. But if you can see beyond the horizon, you'll get to people. 
you'll really get to people and they'll think that's weird and they'll think that's strange and they may not receive you at first, but it'll work on them. And I feel like sometimes we don't act like there's something beyond this. We act like if we don't win this round, the fight's over. But it's not about this round. It's not about winning the fight. We win by losing. We win by saying, you know what? I don't care about this fight. I don't care about this round because my eyes are beyond the horizon. And, you know, I just, I feel like, I just feel like we lose sight of that sometimes. And again, I'm not saying you, I'm not saying, uh, just our church. I feel like just, you know, evangelical Christians in general, Christians in general just lose sight of that. You know, I think that's why, um, it's, not, I don't think it's an accident that coming, coming right before what we're talking about tonight, Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees. You know, that whole, um, load is light and, uh, yoke is easy to bear. That's coming off of the heels of what the Pharisees were trying to lay on the shoulders of Christians. They're trying to lay on Christians. You need to do this. You need to do that. And Jesus is saying, you know what? You don't. You don't need any of that. Because what you need to do is believe in me because I have paid the price. We don't deserve it, but he paid it anyway. And we need to give that away to others. Again, not in a transaction. We don't need to hold it over their head and say, you know what? If you would just believe this way, you're going to be better than those other people. And you could be almost as good as me with some practice. No, we're all filthy rag. I was talking to Mark Tannery today. I love that brother. And he was, he was, oh, uh, that's what he and I were talking about is just, we're just filthy rags. Uh, if you compare us to our Savior, and we just need to be reminded of that, you know, we thankful, we should be thankful for Him and what He did for us, and uh, just do everything that we can to spread that to everybody that we can. Um, man, I got a little sidetracked there. I'm sorry, guys. Um, but you know, that's that's pretty much all I've got. Um, I could ramble on for a while. My wife will tell you one of my favorite sounds is my own voice. But uh, I appreciate y'all tuning in tonight. Um, again, stay safe tomorrow. If you need anything, give your deacon a call. Uh, give me a call. You know, whatever. My phone number is 864-903-3104. Kenny and him will be in Simpsonville. I don't know that he can help you. Um, so, uh, you know, look up your deacon. Give him a call. Give me a call if the church can help you out. Um We'll just be praying about this weather. Uh, it's in God's hands. It's not in our hands. Uh, it's a good thing we know Him. So uh, I'm going to close this in prayer and then I'll log off, okay? Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you again for the day. Thank you uh, for giving me this chance to speak. Thank you for uh, calming my nerves and giving me words uh, to speak to our congregation. Um, God, again, just be with everybody with this weather tonight. It's all fresh on our minds. We had a tornado a year ago. And uh, I just pray that you keep everybody safe tonight. Help everybody get a good night's rest. Uh, Lord, be with my family right now as we're, uh, we're we're trying to get on the tail end of this sickness, this stomach bug that's been in our house. Uh, God, my wife is pregnant, and I just thank you for that blessing. I just pray that you would be with her. Uh, give her uh, a good, healthy pregnancy and uh, strength as she's growing this child. Lord, we just thank you for that. Uh, keep Kenny and Lynn safe uh, when they come back later on this week. Um, 
And God, just thank you again for our church family and, and uh, the way they bless us and uh, just uh, everything they do for us. God, we just thank you for all these things. We love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.